welcome back. Welcome to another uh, show. I'm Father Roderick, and it's a beautiful day where I live. We're getting a little bit of summer back after a lot of rain, a lot of winds. So I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Hopefully everything's okay in your place where you live. This episode is made possible by my, by my patrons. It's a community of people that help me do what I do. And in order to bring you these shows, I invite you to become a member of that community. Um, and you can do that in a very easy way. It's a small monthly contribution. Just go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. Uh, I think it starts at like two fifty dollars a month. So if you can spare that, you get access to my Discord server, which is a great community, very supportive, very vibrant, um, and it's growing thanks to people becoming monthly supporters. Uh, so that is available to everyone. And then there are tiers for if you can contribute a little bit more. Among other things, you get access to a special exclusive podcast that I record. It's just like this, this podcast, but it's about totally different topics. It's the same Father Roderick, but, and, and hopefully also the same uh, entertainment value and passion. But it is a show that is only available to my patrons because I want to give them something back for their support and their collaboration. So uh, check it out. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So I feel really, really good. And and that this is not an exception. I've been feeling excellent for the past two weeks. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the way in which I kind of rearranged my life. Most of the time I start in the morning with a good run. Now, an hour would be enough, but I, I for me, I found the sweet spot is to do an hour and a half of, of a workout. I do those early in the morning, not super early, uh, but still, you know, towards 7 o'clock, 7.30, sometimes 8, depends on how quickly I can get dressed and, and finish my breakfast. Um, so I do about an hour and a half of, and I alternate between running and biking. And that to me is, you know, a great combination because you use different muscles. But I'm out and about. I have time to think. Um, sometimes I listen to audiobooks, but lately I've mostly been just doing a lot of thinking. Like based on a, a number of, uh, of audiobooks that I've been listening to, now I feel like this is the time to to start applying that and 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 rethink a lot of the things that I do and how I do them and what I'm going to do. So I really really cherish these these early morning uh, routines. And another thing that I've definitely changed is. Um, bringing a lot of regularity to my to my life especially dietary uh so i've ha i now have a, a, a like a, a little sports band which i i will talk about later on in this show and it's helping me to remind me to to eat something every three hours and to drink every hour now this has been extremely important for me because i've i've noticed if i i know now that my metabolism is completely down to drain so my metabolic rate is um i think oh, i'm confusing the two terms but anyway uh so it means that my, my body's not in optimal shape it needs so i need to kickstart that metabolism and the best way to do that is by uh making sure that 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 i eat something every three hours and i drink much more than i was used to and i'm starting to notice the effects especially the psychological effects my mood is great and i'm i have a lot of 
like extra energy to you know s- stuff that would complete me, completely uh, uh, handicap me, frustrate me, uh, derail me in the past. Now I can easily switch it off and think, well, hey, you know what? Let's deal with it. There is no failure. There's just a different outcome from what I've planned. So let's readjust the things. There is a lot of, I feel a lot of inner freedom. And, and so I think that also has to do with just the amount of energy that I have because I'm changing these very basic pillars of my day-to-day life. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great and I'm having a lot of energy uh, because of that doing the stuff that I do. You may hear that by, by my tone of voice while recording this show, but it's also noticeable, I hope, in, in my TV show that I'm currently producing. I've just, we've just premiered the, uh, the first episode yesterday. I've had a lot of really great comments. Um, and it's, and for, a, for the first time in years, I'm actually having fun making that TV show. It was always you know, like a burden, and uh, especially the editing. That was something that I always hated, actually. I really didn't enjoy it. Now I do, and it has to do with this, the feeling that I'm in charge now. I, I can do this the way I want to do it. And uh, yeah, I think that that extra energy helps me to do it well and to enjoy it in the process. So hopefully I'll be able to, uh, to, to optimize that even more in the upcoming weeks. And if you want to know a little bit more about what's going on and how I'm changing my life and why and who's impacting me, then I invite you to listen to the last couple of episodes of The Walk where I go more in depth uh, in, in, in this process that I'm going through, which is very beneficial so far, and maybe it will help you too. So go to Father Roderick and uh, fatherroderick.com and look for The Walk. And with that, it is time to move over to our first segment, my favorite, I have to say, where I talk about movies, TV shows, upcoming movies, trailers, and wow, there is so much I want to share with you today. I'm not even sure if I can make it all the way through my list, but uh, these are, despite the corona situation, these are great times to be fan of movies and TV shows because there is a lot in store for us in the upcoming months. So, let's go. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So for the first time in months, I finally r- recorded another reaction video. Those were always a pain to make because a uh, very simple technical reason. Um, a lot of the trailers are posted in uh, either 30 frames per second or 24 frames per second, whereas my cameras are all filming at 25 frames per second. And so every time I do a, a, like a trailer commentary like the ones that you've seen of Star, Star Wars, I have to recalculate the frame rate and make sure that it aligns. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm reacting to something and then because of the frame rate difference, it's as if either I, I react too soon or I react like super slow to things that are actually visible in the trailer. So I found a way to record these live and I'm using uh, my, my Streamlabs OBS setup, uh, which I'm also using to stream whenever I record something, whenever I like v- play video game. I've been doing a lot of uh, video game streaming lately as well. Finally have it, you know, working technically. And so what I do is I, I 
I use a green screen behind me. I project uh, like a nice backdrop. And then I have an insert on my right-hand side, which actually is a capture of, my, of YouTube. So I have another browser window open, and I take just the 16 by 9 uh, frame of, of that video, I just press play and I react to it. And OBS takes care of the, all the frame rate differences and make sure that, that it, it, it works. And then what, what's fun, it's like it's live and every reaction video that I do is like live. It's because otherwise I can't fake this. Otherwise I wouldn't be as enthusiastic if I, if I would have seen it beforehand. So no editing. The only thing that I do is I trim a little bit of the beginning. I trim a little bit of the end and then I post it online, which enabled me to record two reaction videos. I think it was last Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, like in, in 15 minutes. And the first one especially did really, really well on YouTube. It, it again taught me how many people are following my channel because of my reactions. So that's something to, to keep feeding. <laughs> and so over the past few weeks, I've been losing a number of subscribers, Not, nothing dramatical, but still about 30, 40 people unsubscribed. And it's probably because they were looking for these reaction videos. And it's not just reaction, right? I always talk about why I like something or why I didn't like it as much. Uh, so let's say it's an informed reaction. Um, but I hadn't been posting these for ages. And I think that's why sometimes, if, if the only thing that you see on, on someone's channel is something you're not interested in, like, for instance, Mass for Geeks, I, I can imagine that, that for a number of people is not what they were looking for when they were following me. Well, then obviously you start to kind of lose your community. So I did one reaction video about the upcoming movie June, which, uh, well, I'm just going to play it here in the background. It's a little bit loud because the music they're playing, like uh, I heard afterwards, Pink Floyd. Oh, this is the end of the trailer. Smart. <laughs> Let me just play it uh, right from the beginning. So, um, June is another movie version of this very famous book by uh, Frank Herbert, which, to be perfectly transparent and honest, I've never managed finishing. I started it a thousand times and I never got beyond the first few chapters. And it's because it's a huge, complicated world. There's lots of information dumped on you in the first part of the, of the story. And it's, it's a little bit like the book versions of Game of Thrones. You know, I'm a very visual person. I, I, I take in information visually. And when there is a lot of info just that I have to read, my mind cannot remember and I start to confuse everyone. And it just doesn't grab me as much. So that's why I'm so happy with this movie version. And this has been tried many times before, but it was, it's such a vast world. It's so, um, I mean, visionary what he wrote and the world that he created that, that it's been almost impossible to kind of visualize that in, in, in you know, years before us because just technology wasn't there. Now this new movie is made by the same director who also did, uh, Oh, I was about to say Contact, but it's not Contact. It's the other movie about aliens landing. And the director of Blade, the newest Blade Runner, uh, Villeneuve. He's a French director, if I'm not mistaken. And Arrival, that's the name of the movie. I loved Arrival, especially also because of its visual style and its pacing. It's an amazing movie. One of the best science fiction movies that I know, even though science fiction element is kind of rather not that important. He did Blade Runner, the newest Blade Runner. I thought it was a masterpiece. And now he does Dune. 
And oh my goodness, it, it looks amazing. I loved how daring the trailer was in the sense that it doesn't try to wow us. It's not this action-packed thing. It feels epic. And that's what this story needs. And, and so I've got a huge response from my followers on, you know, th this particular reaction video, even though I'm not even very much into June yet. And I, 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 and I say June all the time, and this is uh, another thing that I have to explain. <laughs> so you know that English is not my, my native tongue, right? I, I'm born in the Netherlands, and I've only learned English in high school. Uh, and, and so most of the English that I speak, I picked it up from watching movies and learning it in school and reading and whatever. Um, and sometimes people forget that, and I forget it myself. But there are these things that I've mispronounced from the moment I, I was taught English. And I, sometimes I, I, I come across these words that for somehow some reason have kind of mis have been uh, um, programmed in the wrong way in my brain. And I keep falling back into the pronunciation. And, and, and dune, dune is one of these words. So for some reason, and I know this must date back to when I was 15 or something like that, I, I, I was reading, I was trying to read the book and I, I said June, June, June. I don't know why June. It's just when I see the word Dune, my brain says June. But June, of course, is a month. It's not how you pronounce it. And I cannot correct that. It's so ingrained in my mind. <laughs> I don't know how to fix it. And so I made a fool of myself you know, trying to you know, give these these initial impressions of, of, a, of a movie that I don't even know how to pronounce. My apologies. There are some other words, and, and some of you may, may remember these little mistakes that I make because you've been listening to me over years. Um, there was another one that was the difference between veal and veil. <laughs> one you eat, the other one obfuscates something, you know. So I was I was changing these two and trading places. And, of course, it doesn't make sense anymore. But let's be honest. English is one of the most illogical languages in the world. It is actually quite stunning that Spock even bothers to speak English because it's the most illogical thing that you can do. Um, like, what you see is not what you get. What you see is not how you pronounce it. And there are times that you write certain words in exactly the same way, and, and yet the pronunciation is wildly different. It's so inconsistent. And it's because, of course, it's an old language that has been through a lot of cultural changes. And so the more a language lives, the less it makes sense. <laughs> That's why Latin is so you know, super structured, because at one point people just stopped speaking Latin, and so it gets frozen in time, it can't, can't evolve anymore. Well, in a certain way, Italian, French, that's all bastardizations of Latin. You see how much it's, it's changed. And, and so there's more and more illogical stuff creeping into our languages. And so I, I guess that's what happened with, uh, with June as well. Dune, Dune. And I know now that I'm pronouncing it this way, I think I think that I rem I I know why I'm saying June is because we we were taught the word juke, right? And I was watching back then. Now it's very politically incorrect, but back then I was a fan of the Jukes of Hazard. 
But you write D-U-K-A-E-S, right? You don't say Dukes. Or I, I don't say Dukes. I say Jukes. Is it? Maybe it's Dukes. Oh, my goodness. Now I'm, now I'm starting to, <laughs> to, to feel very insecure. Is it Jukes of Hazard or Dukes of Hazard? Or Ducks of Hazard? <laughs> oh, yes, and this reminds me of another discussion. You know, and, and I, I was not aware of this. Uh, so I was about to Google this. That's why uh, on the screen it, it showed. Oh, well, let me just go back. <laughs> Dune, Dune. Um, there was this article about how to pronounce the name of data. You know, the Android data from the next generation, Star Trek to the next generation. And so there was less, like, the weird pronunciation of data is due to Pat, Sir Patrick Stewart. I was like, wait, what? What is weird about data? I mean, that's how you pronounce it, right? Well, it turns out that's not the case. I was not aware of that. But it turns out that in American English, you say data, the data. That sounds so wrong. That sounds so strange. So apparently... When they were doing the first table read of the first episode of The Next Generation, Patrick Stewart, not a sir back then, uh, was constantly pronouncing it the English way, the British way. Data. Data. And so Gene Roddenberry, who was still alive at the time, made a rule right there and then that because the other American actress was like, that's not how you pronounce it, it's data. Uh, data. And so uh, <laughs> they... Uh, uh, Roddenberry said, uh, I'm going to make this rule. From now on, when we do a table read, the first actor to pronounce an alien name or whatever, it's that pronunciation by that actor that becomes the norm, even if he or she mispronounces it. So that's how we ended up calling data, data. And I, I just, like, did not compute. <laughs> like, is there any other way to pronounce data? Well, apparently it is. It's so illogical. Whereas I thought data, data sounds more British to me, right? Data, potato, potato. <laughs> so what? what's going on here? I don't know. Anyway, that's enough for, for, uh, for this uh, stuff about, about Dune. Dune, Dune. There was another trailer <laughs> that I reacted to. It was the... Trailer for the third season of Star Trek Discovery. And at first I was like, I'm just going to record a regular trailer like all the other stuff. So I was looking on YouTube. Where's the official trailer for Discovery Season 3? It's not there for some reason. You have to go watch the streams that they, uh, that they posted on Star Trek Day. And within one of those streams, which are like getting they bring together a number of actors and then in the discovery stream there was the presentation of this trailer why they didn't put it up on youtube beats me so anyway i took part of that stream and then i reacted to it just like any other trailer normally there's never a problem except for cbs is very nervous about people taking their intellectual property and so I got a, a copyright notice immediately. And so I cannot monetize that video. They take all the revenue. And I was like, oh, come on. This is 2020. This is how the internet works. Why so greedy? It's uh, Nintendo. That's another party that doesn't get it. They just think that, oh, but it's ours. We should have all the money. <laughs> greedy. And so what happens, I was like, I get that copyright notice. And it's like, oh, come on. You know what? Next time I'm not even going to.
bother react to to Star Trek. This is so annoying. Um, I don't know. It's just, I think, company culture. And especially with Star Trek, I should have known better. They do that all the time. The only thing that is necessary, and this was actually, I got a notice, that it was based on a manual, actual, real human review of that video. So it's not a co copyright strike, for goodness sakes. <laughs> that would have been even worse. But it's still, um, you know, annoying enough that, you know, I'm not going to do any Star Trek stuff anymore right now. Is that what they want? Is that what helps the brand? I don't think so. Fortunately, thankfully, Disney has, has learned their lesson. And, and they used to be like that. Now with Star Wars especially, they're much more relaxed. And, and, and maybe this is because the Lucasfilm company culture is seeping into, uh, into Disney. So they know that they need the fans. And they need the enthusiasm of the fans. And so if you put out a trailer and then you prevent everyone from reacting to it because that's basically what cbs is doing it's like here is something very cool get excited but please don't share your enthusiasm we don't want that wait when was this a good idea anyway but uh disney knows that that they need the enthusiasm of star wars fans as much as they probably dislike all the negativity around Star Wars and negativity around anything they do right now, with Mulan, they have another problem. Hey, I said Mulan, right? I did, didn't say Mulan. <laughs> Even though you, you say mule instead of mule. <laughs> ah, English. Anyway, so Disney has a lot of reasons to maybe not want fans to be involved in the promotion of their movies, but, but yet they know that if, if they stop them from doing it, it will only get worse. You, won't, you really want to have a good relationship with your fan base. And giving away kind of your trailers and letting fans react to it is part of, it's part of the marketing strategy. You give something to the fans, and hopefully they'll give something back in terms of you know, promote, promoting your, your movies. Uh, that's how it works. I wonder uh, where we will be 10 years from now, if parties like CBS and Nintendo will have learned their lesson or if things only get worse. I don't know. Copyright is a tricky thing. Uh, and with that, I think I need to wrap up this segment. Otherwise, I'm going to be uh, talking about movies and TV shows forever. So let's visit the Peculiar Bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics and their traditions, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? No, we don't eat light bulbs. I want to talk about a reaction that I got in, in the, on the Discord server from one of my Patreon community members. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. So I, I'm not sure if it was in uh, in this show or if it was in Father Roderick to the Max, which is the show that I make for my patrons. Um, but at one point I was talking about how we're renovating the church next door. So I live in the rectory of one of our churches. We have 15 of them. <laughs> and this one, this, this particular church is near and dear to me. Well, mostly near because I live near it. But also, dear, because uh, for the duration of the corona times, we've used this church 
as a location for our internet streams. And so if you've ever watched uh, the Mass for Geeks or part of it, the church that you see there is the church next door. Now, the, the, I was, I was uh, telling in a previous episode how in the 60s, this, this used to be a beautiful little church built 100 years ago, uh, very ornate, lots of paintings and decorations, and, and just a gorgeous little church. In the 60s, there was this priest who decided that it was time for a change, and he painted everything white, literally. He just covered everything in white paint. He uh, removed lots of the, uh, most of the, no, all the statues, and I think he even destroyed them. So he he had workers um, destroy them, and then he created a new um, uh, liturgical center. And so he threw the 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 former the old statues in there in in, in the place where they were going to do the new the new altar. And they poured cement on it, and that was the end of that. So when the parishioners were not allowed to enter the church for weeks, he hired people from another village, which is adding insult to injury, uh, to completely repaint the church. And when the parishioners entered their church after weeks of renovation, they discovered that everything had been destroyed Everything was gone. And what they were looking at was this super sterile, clean spaceship-like space, which didn't make sense at all anymore. But, well, the priest was happy because this was eh, a time of change, you know. Times are changing, and so is the church. The thing is, he did not ask anyone for advice. Otherwise, they probably would have lynched him. <laughs> and some people still would like to do that, had it not been that he was dead. <laughs> so... What we're doing now is to try to bring back some of that beauty, some of the visual elements that are so important in Catholic liturgy. Bring them back uh, bit by bit. But it means for us kind of undoing a lot of the stuff that he did and trying to... And, and that was not the end of it because then afterwards generations started to improve... <laughs> barely call it improvements, they started to add carpet to the church and removing even more stuff and adding lots of, oh, it was, there are so many things here in the church that don't make sense anymore, but it's just because of generations, for generations they've been just like, I don't know, just following the whims of a few people, but no, actually, no knowledge, no, 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 how do you say that? No vision of what a Catholic, what makes a Catholic church a Catholic church. Anyway, so I was talking about all these things, and then Julia posted in discover in the, in the Discord server. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm finding Father Roderick's descriptions of the things done by this old parish priest back in the '60s to be so disturbing. How anyone could destroy art and beauty like that is unreal. I had to stop listening to the podcast for a few minutes because I was getting so upset. Was this common throughout the Netherlands? Well, that's a good question. And actually, it was and it wasn't. In a sense that in, in some churches, and it really depended, depended usually on the priest, the local priest. And this was, of course, because the church in the 60s was still, even though they were trying to present themselves as super modern and, and renewed, it was still a very priest-oriented church where the let's say, the, the, lay, the laity um, was, was getting more involved, but they were certainly not in charge, nor were they consulted. And a lot of the priests back then, 
even though they thought of themselves as being very modern, like this, this priest in the 60s, but in fact, they were still behaving as old patriarchs, the way they had been raised to do things. You know, they were, the, they were in charge, and so they didn't even bother asking other people. They felt that they were on the forefront. They were the heroes and the prophets of the future, so they knew what was good for them. And so that's how in, in a number of, of churches, I, I'm not sure about the percentages, but I would say the, the majority of the churches, there was this, this whole wave of, of uh, refurbishing churches and taking out uh, the, what they, some of these priests thought as distractions. And so the result was a lot of these Catholic churches were much more akin to most Protestant temples and churches where you barely see any decoration, and if, it, if there is any decoration, it's usually abstract because of this idea that you cannot depict saints, you cannot depict Jesus or the Virgin Mary or all that because it's sola scriptura, it's like scripture only. I've always thought that was a little bit of an exaggeration. I mean, I can, I can imagine that it's a reaction to some Catholic tendencies of, of almost worshipping images or turning the Virgin Mary into, like, substitute God or anything. But that has never been theology. That has never been dogma. On, on the contrary, churches always try to discourage that, that type of behavior. But anyway, the Reformation being a reactionary movement in a certain way, they were trying to correct a number of, of things that, that the reformers perceived as, as, as you know, something that was detrimental to, to the faith, they went back to, you know, it's just the Bible and no, no pictures. It's not written somewhere in the Old Testament, you know. You shall not make any you know, depictions of God or whatever or worship any other than this, the, the, the one God. The thing is, and we know this, of course, out of our own experience, if you read the Bible... What forms in your mind? Not just ideas. No, pictures. So this day, Jesus was going to a well, and it was warm, and it was the middle of the day, and then there was this, this woman, this Samaritan woman sitting there, and she looks at him, and he asks her, can you give me something to drink? And then she's like, what do you see? You see a picture. You paint your own version of that story. Well, if we paint it in our minds, why wouldn't we paint it on the walls of our churches? right? We are visual beings. And I think there's a whole new, uh, a new discovery of the value of, of, of the vision, the, the visual and the auditory and the sensory aspects in, in, in general of, of how we learn, how we take in information. And some people are more auditory, some people are more visual, like I'm, I think I've explained before, I'm, I'm a very visual person. That's why sometimes uh, if I have, uh, you know, when I'm trying to read and I get overwhelmed by too much data, my brain can't visualize it anymore. However, if I've ever, if I've seen, like sometimes I will just deliberately go watch a movie based on a book and then read the book. I did that with Harry Potter, because then it's much easier for my brain to process information because I have this visual, mental image of the world, and. And, and that's kind of the framework of what I'm reading. So, but that's not the same for everyone. You also have people that are more sensory, that need to touch and smell and taste and whatnot. Everyone is different. The thing is, of course, Catholic, Catholic uh, culture has always tried to integrate all these senses. So it is and the word, intellectual information, it's 
It's singing, it's smelling frankincense, it's listening to the bells and the organ and music and whatnot, and all that to make sure that, that everyone is served in a certain way. And all these senses help you to get closer to, to, to the mystery that you're celebrating. And so what we're trying to do right now is, is to kind of counteract a little bit of the, this overzealous renovation that happened in the 60s. I grew up in a parish where exactly the same thing happened. Uh, it was this beautiful church. I think it was 18th century. It, it was uh, a small church. On the outside, it looked very cute. On the inside, everything was white. I remember that. I was a, an altar boy. And I remember there was, there was only one huge painting of Christ on the cross and Mary Magdalene weeping at his feet. And, but that was the... And, and the, there were stained glass windows, which fortunately, fortunately they didn't destroy. But there were no statues, nothing. Even the way of the cross was just like very abstract, grayish figures. You could barely recognize what it was. And this, this had been done by a predecessor of the parish priest that we had at the time. And so my parish priest started a process back then where he wanted more statues. And so I remember that at one point he, uh, he wanted a statue of St. Anthony. Uh, not because he had a particular devotion to St. Anthony, but he knew that St. Anthony was the, was the patron saint for people who had lost something. That is a typical Catholic tradition. You lose something, you ask St. Anthony to uh, pray for you and to uh, help you find it back. And so he was like, okay, let's make a statue because I'm, I'm sure if we put that in a church, people are losing stuff all the time. They will make a donation. And so we'll get a lot of money from that statue, which actually was exactly what happened. So he started, and then he was like, okay, I'm encouraged by this. This works. Let's completely uh, remake our way of the cross. So he had an artist actually make new statues for, for the way of the cross. And it was beautiful. It was very colorful and, and, and visual and loved the style at the time. I think it was a bit of an Italian style. But it, it was so, for us children, it was like, a, why didn't you do that before? This is so much more communicative. This, this helps us to, to, to visualize what happened in, 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 with, with Jesus. And then after he died and after I moved to the seminary in Belgium, a long time after my ordination, I returned to that church and I couldn't believe my eyes. Where once we had this very abstract uh, tabernacle, which is the place where we keep the, the consecrated hosts, uh, in my youth, this looked like, my, my dad always called it the TV. <laughs> because it was this square thing and, and there were abstract colored squares and triangles on it and it was very very modern very 60s but it looked like a tv like a color tv and, and so my dad's always like joking about that so that we had to kneel in front of the tv and how much that was ironic because well isn't the church all about not worshiping false gods like tvs etc but after many years after my ordination i returned to that church and i'm looking at the main altar and what they I was like, wow, this church looks so beautiful. They had repainted the ceiling, brought back ornamentation on the walls. They placed there a, a high altar, which was completely carved out of wood. They actually went and bought that from another church that uh, was closed. And they rebuilt it in that church. 
is probably nothing like what it looked like in the past, but it still made so much more sense to have that tabernacle, the beautiful, it was just beautiful. The colors were vibrant. It was so, I was like, wow. I never thought that this church would would be would would ever look like this. And so now that we're renovating the church here next door, I'm motivated by that. I was like, okay, they did that in my home parish. We can do that here too. And of course, there are always people that don't like you to mess with the status quo and they're like seeing all sorts of uh, of, of of problems. But sometimes you have to just go with your vision. You're like, well, I studied this stuff, you know. <laughs> I've seen what a church can look like, and, and we can do it here too. And I'm convinced that once we start this renovation project, people will get enthusiastic because beauty is something that speaks to the heart and it, it, it touches people. And I'm sure that if they see that we're making this church beautiful again, they well, it will give us an opportunity to also explain why that is important and why... Uh, Beauty is also a, a way of communicating God, because God is beauty, God is truth, God is uh, love, uh, etc. So beauty is part of, of of the way God communicates Himself. Oh wow, that was longer than I thought. So let's move over to the next segment: books. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? Okay, I need to talk about Dune. Dune? Here. I'm learning. Dune. Uh, because uh, I've, 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 I was thinking, how can I... I have to read Dune before I go see this movie, right? Otherwise, I'm not believable. So, I am going to see if I can make it through Dune. How am I going to do that? Uh, I couldn't get through the fir- these first chapters. I'm pretty sure that that is still the case uh, because the chapters haven't changed, uh, nor have I. So I need to come up with a way to... Um... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I was removing... While I was talking, I was removing the, uh, the color key. Like I've got a green screen behind me, and then I noticed that I had become semi-transparent myself. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's get rid of that color key, because I don't want to be transparent. And then now everything is green all of a sudden, so I don't know what I did wrong, but I'm um, trying to correct it here. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, can I bring it back like that? No, that didn't work. Um so I'm going to try to talk to you while I'm fixing this. Similarity, I probably have to go this way. Why doesn't this work? Oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, wait, huh? Similarity, green, blue, green, custom color. Nothing works anymore. Ah! <laughs> Okay, my apologies. This is what happens when you're trying to do two things at once. I don't know why this doesn't work. It used to work. Can I do like control Z and bring it back to what it was? Well, maybe I can. Oh, yes. Wow. Okay. I'm seriously loving (laughs) this. Uh, Streamlabs OBS. You continue to uh, surprise me. So back to the topic. 
I was like, I need to get myself an audiobook version. And I'm sure if I listen to the audiobook version um, and, and get through these first few chapters, usually I get, you know, into the story and uh, I'll be able to, to finish the rest of the book just by reading. And so I happen to find that the audiobook version on Audible is pretty expensive. So I happen to find uh, a free audiobook version on YouTube. And I'm going to link this in the show notes. I just wanted to play a little bit of this. I'm not sure if it's complete. I'm not even sure if it's completely legal that it's on YouTube, but it sounds good. It sounds like an audio play. So it has sound effects, like you hear the wind, you know? While you're listening to this, while you are listening to this, I'm going to close the... A beginning is the time for taking the most delicate care that the balances are correct. That sounds cool, doesn't it? This every sister of the Bene Gesserit knows. To begin your study of the life of Muad'Dib, then, take care that you first place him in his time. Born in the 57th year of the Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV. Like here I'm already having information overload. that you locate Muad'Dib in his place, the planet Arrakis. Do not be deceived by the fact that he was born on Caladan and lived his first 15 years there. Arrakis, the planet known as Dune, is forever his place. From Manual of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Okay. And this goes on in a little bit uh, further on in the book. While Hawat's occupied with the Lady Jessica, we'll divert him further with uprisings in a few... They do voices, you've got background noises. I mean, when I listen to this, I close my eyes. I'm actually watching a movie. So I'm super happy that I've discovered this. Again, I will link it in the show notes, and uh, hopefully that, that'll jumpstart me into uh, finishing that book once and for all. And my apologies to all of you that are now yelling at your screen or at your iPod or whatever. No, iPods. Do they still exist in your phone? I'm old. <clears throat> like, Father Roderick, why haven't you read June? Do- Dune. <laughs> I'll make it up to you. I'll I'll try to get through this book. Uh, I'll I'll let you know. I'm making myself accountable right now. I will. I will read this book. All right. Let's quickly move to another topic here. <laughs> oh, this is science fiction. Do I have even have the topic of science fiction in my show notes? Well, actually, probably not. Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to stop this. Uh, I'm going to press the tech button. Much we more. are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. There is one more thing. All right. <clears throat> Uh, speaking of, uh, there is one more thing. I'm recording this before the September the 15th. And of course, uh, so two days from now, I think the show will already be live. So problem. I'm going to ask Inga to post this on Monday. Uh, so I'm still ahead of the game, but there is going to be another Apple event and it's going to be virtual like the last time. And it's probably going to be about the Apple watch, but no one is sure of course. And there may also, or may not be the announcement of an iPad and some of us are hoping that there will also be an augmented reality that we'll finally get to see the Apple glasses. But that is a, well, it's not very likely, I think. Uh, but here's hoping that they will bring, I think we're all in for something positive, something exciting. 
most of us have been so like this is the year 2020 has been such a downer for most of us <clears throat> maybe apple can do something to make us all excited uh, but but it's you know it's not a given could very well be that uh, the glasses are still far away in the future so um i'm not going to talk about apple but i want to talk about microsoft microsoft has just announced uh, and they were a little bit forced because of the leaks on the internet. They have given us uh, an announcement of their next generation gaming computer, <clears throat> the Xbox Series X. And, and this was a huge surprise, the Xbox Series S, which is kind of a, like a low-cost version of this new console. And so they were uh, first... Sony is going to announce their PlayStation 5, which, of course, is so much more popular. The PlayStation 4 has been much more popular than the Xbox One. But I think that Microsoft has learned a lot of their kind of botched launch, initial launch of the uh, Xbox One. They tried to give us this device that could do anything, and, but it had no focus. So people were like, but we're, we, want, we are gamers. We don't want another TiVo or whatever you guys want to sell us. Just give us a good gaming console. Um, so Sony was able to, to get away with uh, all the success. And of course, now Sony is like, okay, wow, that is, we did not see that coming. At least that's what I think. There are a few things that, that, Sony, uh, that Microsoft does very, very well. First of all, they give us an option. Either go for the, for the expensive one, $499, uh, very, very powerful uh, uh, com um, computer. Well, those, these are computers. But <clears throat> even for, for that price, it's pretty, it's pretty good value for money what you get. Uh, it's very hard to build a computer for that price that can do what the Xbox Series X can do. But they also give us a 299 lower resolution alternative, which can run the same games, but will just output not pure 4K, but upscaled 4K. For a lot of us, you know, that will be just as good. And uh, But the most important thing that Microsoft is doing to set themselves apart from Sony is that they are heavily betting on people getting uh, subscription, uh, subscriptions to their gaming service. So the Xbox Live was always something you had to, had to have if you wanted to play to, against other people. But now they're combining that with Game Pass, where you pay a monthly fee, and I think it used to be $4.99 per month, which is really not that expensive. They're upping it now that it's out of beta to $10 a month. That is quite a bit of money. But they even added the entire game inventory of uh, Electronic Arts to it. So you get, and normally you'd have to pay separate for that per month. They're combining that into one subscription. And then there's even something... Uh, where you can pay a monthly fee and you will... It's basically a loan that they give you, so you pay off your, your Xbox device and you get the games. That, of course, is much more expensive than $10. Um, in, in return, the downside of that is that they're not focusing on exclusives. They did focus on making it backwards compatible. So you can play any game that you played on the Xbox One on this Xbox Series... Xbox, Xbox Series X or S... And you can even play the original Xbox games so and, and the Xbox 360 games. That is something that Sony has never done. And there are a lot of rumors, and we'll probably know for sure in a few days or weeks, 
Sony does not do that with the play, PlayStation. So <clears throat> if you play, if you buy a PlayStation Five, some of the more recent games will probably give you a free update, but it's not backwards compatible. Which means you may have bought I don't know thirty games for the PlayStation Four. You can't play them on the PlayStation Five. Sony got away with that when they introduced the PlayStation Four. I'm not sure if they're going to get away with it with the PlayStation Five. Only time will tell. But for now, I'm going with the. Xbox One S. I think the naming is the only flaw. This is the only stupid thing that they did. It sounds so much like their previous generation. Like Xbox One X, Xbox One S, and now it's Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S. So I'm already getting confused pronouncing it. So like, why didn't you just come up with something else? Like the Xbox Y or the Xbox Z or Xbox whatever. Give it a name, you know? <laughs> Microsoft has never been very good with naming. But, uh, but anyway, it's, these are interesting times. And I, uh, I have the, 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 uh, the joy of having a, an ultimate uh, a Game Pass subscription for the next three years. <laughs> so it, it certainly pays off for me to get a, 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 um, an Xbox because I will have you know, like this... For three years, I can play games for free, basically. Plus, I still have my Xbox One, which I use as a 4K Blu-ray player on my other TV. So, yeah, it's all Microsoft here <laughs> for now, for the time being. Uh, I already played that jingle, so I'm going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, if you're a patron, you can look forward to another show, Father Roderick to the Max, to give you a sneak preview of what I'm going to talk about. Of course, I'm going to get take you into my kitchen and we'll talk a little bit about stir frying and uh, some of the stuff that I've discovered um, I'll also give you an explanation of Catholic liturgy that's a, uh, one of the ingredients of the of Father Roderick to the Max and this time I'll talk about all the different liturgical actors if you watch a streamed version of the Mass you'll see a lot of different people with different roles I'm going to go into that Father Roderick to the Max I'll also talk a little bit about my new Xiaomi uh, Mi Band 5. So it's a little bit like a Fitbit device. Um, and it's pretty great. So I'm going to give you a, like, a review after having used this for a week. And um, let's see, what else am I going to talk about? Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about online streaming especially about the TriCaster and some stuff that I've discovered about uh, maybe that being a solution for a lot of my uh, streaming woes. So, if you want to listen to that, you're a patron, head over to your Patreon feed and enjoy it. If you're not and you would like to have access to that podcast, it's very simple. Go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. We'd be happy to welcome you into our community. Thanks for listening. See you later.